What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pachelke. What's going on, Tyler? How you doing, man? Well, you know, I got new socks, new underwear on, so I'm basically living the dream. Oh, dude, you're a whole new man. I'm a whole new man. I'm ready to go. All right, before we start, be sure to follow the show at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in the keyword, the Sports Kingdom Show. And real quick, my dad is going to interrupt the podcast real quick. He's Dad? Hi. Hey, uh, you're, live, Hi. you're live on the podcast right now. <laughs> he's he's asking if I've uh, fed and walked our dog. No, I have not taken care of Bella. Sorry about that. I did not get okay. the chance before we left. Okay, goodbye. All right, bye. I don't know. Uh, I just felt like that'd be funny. No, that's good. <laughs> Here we go. So March Madness. Yeah, March Madness. But so Slam Magazine came out with their top 100 basketball players ever. Yes. So Tyler and I thought it would be fun to to discuss their top 10 love slam magazine uh so we'll fi- we'll talk about their top 10 as well as uh who stood out to us on the list yeah talk about uh some of the questionable ranking decisions it was a very interesting slam has made very interesting list i got a lot of stuff right and a lot of stuff i don't really understand uh but it was a good list i love lists so and slam is one of my all-time favorite magazines probably number one actually yeah, no, it's definitely probably one of the top basketball magazines out there for sure. Oh, it's the basketball bible. It's the cul- <laughs> it's like the culture bible, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's everything. Yeah. So and then also to close out the show, we're gonna rank our top ten NFL offseason moves so far as we get closer and closer to the draft. The Dominican Sue met with the Los Angeles Rams earlier today. Yeah. So hopefully, it's a race for Sue right th- right yeah, now. Yeah. Hopefully he signs. With the Rams, I know he's meeting with the Raiders, I think, later this week. He's in Seattle. He met with the Hawks. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where Ndamukong Sue goes. We got the money, too. Yeah, you do have a lot of money. We're ready to pay him. But we have to start with the madness, and I'm sorry for the cliche, but the madness that was the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. First, Tyler and I want to thank everybody that joined the TSK Show Bracket Challenge. We had over 40 brackets submitted. Yeah, that's cool. I love uh, I love a good bracket challenge, even when it goes as terrible as this one did. Yeah, so I'm about 13, 14 spots from the bottom of the standings. This was not a good year for me, yep. it, for my bracket at all. Where Where are you sitting in the bracket standings right now, Tyler? I believe I'm, I'm number 33 out of out of uh, 41. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so eight from the bottom. Okay. Not good. No. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to be a good year. For me in my bracket when I was raving about UCLA last week on the show and while we were editing after the show, they completely fall apart and lose in the first four game against the St. Bonav- uh, Bonaventure Bonnies. The Bonnies. Can, can you even count that as making it to the NCAA tournament for the Bruins this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, get, you got 
just because of the success those teams have had coming out of those games, you know, people like Syracuse, every year there's been a team yeah. that wins more than one game. So you, you gave yourself a shot. They could have – they could have UCLA could have easily won two games in the tournament. Yeah, so see, to me – You want the opportunity. You want to go dancing. It doesn't feel as good because it's – it's before, you know, that first day of round 64. Yeah, it's like a play-in game. Yeah, it, it is a play-in game, but it also gives you the shot. So I would say it's a success for sure. I don't know. Everybody wants to fire Steve Bradford. Did you know the, the inaugural um, year that they expanded the 68? The, uh, a team, I think, you, uh, God, who was it, um, went from a play-in game all the way to the Final Four. Really? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was VCU. Was it VCU? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was VCU with like Shaka Smart. And, oh wow! And all those guys. But uh, interesting. Yeah, the first inaugural year, a playing game team went to the Final Four. All right, so I guess I guess I'm you gotta, you gotta demeaning be, the first four a little too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, that's it's a it's a meaningful game. It's not like it's not a throwaway game to me at all. Okay. Well, Thursday rolled around. I came over to your place. Came over to the apartment. Oh yeah. We had two TVs set up. Yeah. We were ready Always. to roll. Yeah. It was a great day of March Madness. From game one. Yeah. Game one was great. I mean, with Trey Young and, and take it, taking the L, but it was a great tournament start, and it was wild all the way through. Yeah, so speaking of Trey Young and Oklahoma, all of my upset picks that I mentioned last week on the show, I got wrong. So I hope none of you took my advice for your brackets. My, my one shining star in the sky was Loyola <laughs> of Chicago. Who in our bracket I unfortunately only had them winning one game. I only filled out two brackets in my other bracket. I had them going to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, so you're sitting pretty in your other bracket. Well, as far as Loyola Chicago goes, yeah, <laughs> definitely go Ramblers. But uh, they're my one shining star, so I'm all in with the uh, with the Ramblers. All right, yeah. Um, so never never did I think I'd see a 16 seed beat a number one seed. No, but University of Maryland, Baltimore County beat the University of Virginia by 20 points, no less. Virginia just didn't, co- didn't come to play. No, well, and to score 74 points on Virginia is you're basically going to beat them. They, they try to play, you know, under 60 points. Yeah, they're a very Slow defensive-centric yeah. team. And they, and they played the right game plan. They played sporadic all over the place. So uh, they came out with a good game plan and won. It's just I didn't think I'd ever see a 16 seed. Well, not ever. I, I knew that 16 seeds were getting closer and closer, but I definitely did not think I was going to see it in that game. Um, re- between Virginia looking great, and I honestly thought Radford and Penn were much better 16 seeds. So the fact that they won, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and then one, once UCLA lost, I said I was going to root for the University of Arizona. Who I had in the Final Four. And I as very, well had. Very high on them. I as well had them in the Final Four. My sister goes there. Um, so I was going to root for the Wildcats, but they go on to lose by 21 to 13 seed Buffalo. Game one, too. Yeah, game one. First round, yeah. first night of the tournament. I, I truly thought that they had they had the potential because they had, you know, a star presence on the inside, and they had, you know, a star presence on the outside, Alonzo Trier. And honestly, Trier looked like an average player in that game. I, I kind of expected a lot more than him. Oh, yeah. Um, as the upperclassman, I thought he was going to dominate and. Now I feel like he needs to go back to school for another year. And this is a guy that after a sophomore season, he's a junior now. After a sophomore season, I thought he should go pro. And now as a junior, I'm thinking he should go back because Buffalo made him look average. Yeah, and then – And they I, couldn't get the ball to, 
to Aiton. I was, I was, that was my next point. DeAndre Aiton, Buffalo completely shut him down. Yeah, they couldn't get to the ball to him. I yeah. Mean, they just denied him. They just denied him the ball and made the other players beat him, and the other players lost. Yeah. And then, obviously, now you mentioned the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. Yep. Everybody in the country has fallen in love with them. Yep. And, of course, Sister Jean. Sister Jean. That's your girl right That's there. That's my girl, yep. Uh, watching that game against Miami and you doing an entire lap around the apartment screaming. Oh, man. I was, <laughs> I was just on the edge of my seat that whole time. I was uh... when, when they hit that game winner, you just, as soon as that ball went through the net, you sprung up off the couch and did an entire lap around the apartment. Uh, what, what a way to win a game. I mean, just all the buzzer beaters, and that was my team. Like I said, Loyola Chicago, when after our last episode, um, I sat on my computer and I did research on all the teams I wasn't very familiar with, and Loyola Chicago was the team that stuck out to me that that night. And I said, "Okay, this is the this is one of a couple." I mean, I had some other teams winning games, but that was one of a couple, and they they made it happen. I'm stoked. Yeah, Loyola of Chicago. <laughs> so I, I want you to peel the curtain back a little bit and uh, let the listeners in on a little insight that you uh, texted me last night on uh, what what's going to happen if oh so Loyola i told Ch- my i told my roommates i'd buy a loyola chicago t-shirt if they made the suit 16 which i have purchased my loyola chicago t-shirt in it, the mail um, it's it's on the way you got know, the tracking number and everything oh yeah and it says bracket buster on it it's oh that's it's, dope it's a pretty sweet shirt um and it, but then my other thing was uh i said if they made it to the final four I'll buy a Final Four shirt because the Final Four shirt will have all the teams on it. Yep. And then I said, if they win the national title, I'm getting I'm getting the logo tatted on me. You're gonna get the logo tattooed on you. The Ramblers logo. I love it. I yeah. love the dedication. Yeah. Hey, they're they're doing it for me right now. And, and for those that don't know, this would not be Tyler's first tattoo. It's not my first tattoo, but it will, but it's gonna be a good one. It'll be a memorable one. Oh, it'll definitely but, be a memorable yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, that was that was one of the better sports days watching those first couple games. And you know, it's funny. If you get the Ramblers logo tattooed on you, it'll mean more than Rick Pitino's Louisville National Championship tattoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool to think. Because history will show. Yeah. There's no way you – Louisville, everyone in in the future will just think that Pitino was super cocky, wanted to get that (laughs) tat, and then they ended up winning the tournament. Similar to like what Jason Terry did when he got the the finals trophy tatted on him before they won it. That's what Patino did, but he actually didn't win it. Yeah. Um, and then something interesting that's never happened before in the NCAA tournament is the South region doesn't have a one through four seed at all in the Sweet 16. This is the first time in NCAA tournament history that a single region has not had a one, two, three, or four seed make the Sweet 16. Yeah. How impressed are you by that? That's. I mean, it's crazy because of the talent that – you know, especially like like I said, Arizona. I obviously had them winning the bracket, but Virginia has dominated all year. They had a team that looked like it was built for a tournament. Um, and you see, you know, like Loyola's Loyola's in there, Kansas State, Kentucky. You know, is obviously kind of flirting with. Uh, that's not really a surprise, but it's but uh, but th- they're in five seeds. So and their entire starting lineup is all freshmen. Yeah, that's that's really no, and this is one of Calipari's best coaching seasons. But oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. It, it's uh, the tournament's crazy, but nonetheless, there's always a couple teams that are in there, and this year it's just few and far between. Yeah, I mean, there's not very many one through four seeds in the tournament in general. I mean, it looks like there's only six. Yeah, out of the Sweet Sixteen. So, 
So I know I know you're not going to want to talk about it, but no, we got to do it. UNC got crushed by Texas A&M. Yes, they did. Yes, what they happened? Did. You know, Texas A&M obviously losing the uh, obviously beating North Carolina. I'm not like a huge fan of that, but I am like super impressed with how well they're playing. I watched their their first two games. I had them losing to Providence because you know I felt like Providence was one of the more misseeded teams in the tournament. They barely squeaked out that win. But Texas A&M looks really good right now as far as making a Final Four run um, with the size that they have. I mean, they have a six, you know, they start 6'9", 6'10", 6'10". And the one kid in the middle, Tyler Davis, he's a guy that uh, I think he's lost 70 pounds since he's been there. So, I mean, this guy's – That's insane. Yeah, this guy's crazy strong. And to have a 6'9", small forward, I think their length and, and their size was just too much. North Carolina normally plays big. Um, and this year, they're they're much smaller. We run three guards, and and Theo Pinson is basically like our four, and he's yeah. he's really like a two or a three. In, in on most other teams, on most yeah. other teams. So, um, and Luke May is not a uh, not a center. No. So you know, I think the size is what really got to North Carolina, and the size is what I really like. It reminds me of Florida. When Florida won those back-to-back titles, yeah, with I Noah mean they're, they're not Hartford. quite as good as those guys as yeah, far as like the big names. But I don't. I also don't watch a lot of SEC basketball. Right, but you compare you compare the size that Texas A and M has. Think about it. They had Florida had Al Horford, Joakim Noah, both six mm-hmm. ten, and Corey, and Corey Brewer. Brewer, who's six nine. Exactly, and so that's where that's where it's like it. You know, that's where I get that reminder. And the other the other big. So you got the kid that's you know. Tyler Davis is super, super strong. The other big was defensive player of the year for the SEC. Yeah. So it's like these guys are talented dudes. So uh, it's sad to see Joel Berry and Theo Pinson finish their career at North Carolina on a loss. It's a tough way to go out. It's it's rare for anyone to win their last game. And these are two guys that brought a national title to Chapel Hill, been in the last two title games, and, you know, yeah. Joel, Joel Berry is a three-year starter. Theo Pinson's a two-year starter. I've done the, watched them since they're freshmen. So yeah, no, I was gonna sad say, to see him go, but Texas A&M. I mean, they're looking good. Yeah, I was gonna say in terms of what happened with North Carolina, it's hard to make it to the Final Four once. It's hard to make it to the national championship game once. Yeah, it's hard to make it twice. Yeah, two years in a row. Yep, and then it's even harder the third time around. It's a it's a really really short list when it comes to coaches that have won multiple titles at one school. Yeah, and he's got three. So. And and speaking of powerful coaches and probably two coaching legends. Yep. Good old Jim Beheim got the best of Tom Izzo and two, two of my all time favorite coaches. Oh, I mean, hands down, just because of the generation I grew up in. These guys have been around the whole show. Yeah, uh, produced massive NBA talents. Uh, always make great tournament runs. So that was that was a really good game. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I didn't think there was any way in hell Syracuse was going to win. No, um, but when that kid got fouled out, that guard, and he he was pretty upset, and the team just like locked in, and they they made the push to separate themselves. Yeah, I mean, I had Michigan State. I had in the Final Four. I had Michigan State winning it all, yeah. and I mean, I love watching these legendary coaches go up, especially in the early rounds, yeah. because it becomes more of the coaches trying to out coach each other. Yeah, and coaching the the normally there's you know there's a couple things that I favor in the tournament and coaching is number one. Oh, coaching is huge in the I, tournament. I think coaching is number one. Individual talent is is up there because college basketball can be dominated by one person. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, and then I look for like size, upperclassmen, stuff like that. But the but the main thing is coaching. I mean, there's there's certain guys that just win in tournament settings. Yeah, when it when it, you're out coaching people, everybody's got everybody has talent at this point in time. Um, so this is all coaching. Yeah, it's like you said when it when it comes to a certain time when March rolls around, you know it's about time that some of these coaches are about to take over. And Miles Bridges is a special talent, and he played well, but they. Jaron Jackson Jr., who's projected to be a top ten pick in the NBA draft, a freshman, had had two points. Yeah, he I had mean, an he, abysmal he had no, game. He had no blocks. He completely was a no factor for Michigan State. So I mean, kudos to Syracuse. They they basically don't have any big names on their team. No, um, but I mean that. But they have Bayheim and Bayheim's zone defense. Yeah, at it again. Yeah, speaking of the zone, they got Syracuse Duke in the Sweet Sixteen, the two three battle of the two three zones. And speaking speaking of Duke. Wendell Carter Jr. and Marvin Bagley III look like absolute giants Duke, compared to some of the guys that they've gone up against so far in the tournament. Duke's like one of three teams that I think is playing at a championship level. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, Duke's a problem. I mean, I, I hate it, but Duke's a problem. Yeah. And, I, and you know, Shazeski has learned his 2-3 zone from Bayheim through exactly. USA Basketball. So it's like the, the zone is not going to be anything that Duke's not <laughs> – not ready for they practice it every day they understand where the openings are they understand where you know where you need to attack and you know Bagley's a special player and everybody would be talking about Wendell Carter if, if Bagley wasn't there if Bagley wasn't there or if he was if Wendell Carter was anywhere else they'd be talking about him and now just just to go off on a quick tangent just the way you said Shashevsky learned the zone from Bayheim and USA basketball we just got to toot our own horn for a second as a country but our USA basketball coaching staff. It's crazy. <laughs> well, it's kind of, well, yeah. And, and like I've always said, Bayheim is the defensive coordinator for USA basketball. Exactly. Because of our length and athleticism and the way that the European game and the FIBA rules are, it just makes sense for us to run the 2 3 zone rather than man to man. Exactly. Which is insane because I think if we ran man to man, we would just completely overwhelm people. But these countries practice together a lot more than we do. So their offense is. Oh, yeah. And their sets are solid, so throwing the two-three zone in there just gives us the best chance to win. And yeah, basketball. Uh, what Popovich is? Popovich is the new guy in charge, right? Uh, or did he step down for Shashevsky? No, I, th- I think Shashevsky's done. Oh yeah, yeah, I think Shashevsky's done, and now it's Popovich. That's right. Yeah, which I mean, potato, potato. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Shashevsky played for Popovich in college. Yeah, at Army. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. Um. So now, three out of four of my final four are not there. Me, I had me as well. I had Arizona, UNC, Michigan State, all of whom are now out, and I was least confident about the fourth of my final four at the time. But they're still in it, Purdue. Yeah, so the three that we had the same are the three that are out. Yeah. I had U- I had UNC, Arizona, Michigan State in the Final Four as well. All of them knocked out. Yeah, so. I got Nova left, which I'm feeling all right about. I think Nova is one of those three teams that's, like, really looking like they're playing championship basketball right now. Okay. Well, Purdue, Purdue center Isaac Haas injured his elbow. He didn't play in the second-round game against Butler. Yep. I read an article that the engineering department uh, at Purdue 
has been working on developing a brace for yeah, him to get cleared. Yeah, but none of none of their ideas have been cleared by the NCAA yet. So yeah. I don't think Purdue's going to end up making it to the Final Four anymore. They're not going to come up with some new material that <laughs> you know what I mean overnight. But I like I like the ingenuity of the engineering. I, and department. I like Purdue's team and their backup played out of his mind. Yeah, know, career high in minutes, but he's not going to do that every week. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Texas Tech is going to beat him in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So if you, if you were to repredict your Final Four based on the teams that are in the Sweet Sixteen, who yeah. do you have? All right. So I got I got I, Loyola Chicago. You got them. You got to roll with them. I got to roll with them. I respect. I got it. them coming out of that bracket now. Um, I got Duke. Unfortunately, I just think they're too much right now. They have four stud freshmen and a senior, so that's a very dangerous combo. Yeah. Um, especially because that senior has gone through so much. I think he's extremely mature at this age, and he knows what's going, what's happening. You know, he's in the moment. Um, so I think his leadership's going to be, you know, pretty dangerous for Duke. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, Grayson the th- Allen. The third one is Villanova. <laughs> I'll say it. Who is my – I had Nova in the Final Four originally. Yep. Um, they're still playing really well. They're really the only team that I felt like I saw what was going to happen. And now this fourth team, I'm going with Texas A&M because, like I said, I feel really good. Just I watched their first two games. They look really good. The size looks really good. But I barely have them over the Zags. I, okay. I really like Gonzaga. And like we said previously – Mark Few coaching uh, in the tournament. They were in the national title last year. They were returning a couple studs. Um, but I think ultimately Texas A&M is going to be in the Final Four over Gonzaga. Okay. So my new Final Four, I got number five, West Virginia, coming out of the East. West Virginia is looking good, too. Like you said. That was a, that was a tough that, – that's probably the best Sweet 16 game. Oh, the, the, for sure. The Villanova-West Virginia game. That's going to be a really good game. So I got I got West Virginia coming out of the East. You you said one of the biggest things you look at when doing a bracket is coaching. Yep, yep. and that's a great matchup coaching wise. And Bob Huggins, he knows how to get it done in March. Yep. On the for for the rest of my life, when I hear Bob Huggins, all I see <laughs> is him about to kiss Deshaun Butler. Just yep. Stroking his head on the court after he blows out his ACL. Yeah. What was that Deshaun Butler? Is that who that was? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, then I got Duke coming out of the Midwest, number two seed. I've, I wasn't big on this team at the beginning of the tournament, but after I saw them hit that buzzer beater, yep. I got Michigan making a run to the Final Four. Hey, that's that's a good that's a good pick. That's a pick that I basically dismissed because I really like Texas A&M and Gonzaga. So. Yeah, and now now that Arizona is not going to come out of the West, I got Michigan coming in hot. Okay. And then I got to stick with coaching John Calipari. I think he's going to be able to Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, I think Kentucky's going to make it to the final four with an entire starting five that are all freshmen. I mean, Kentucky definitely has the best pool and like shot to win. That's yeah. the bracket that doesn't have a, a 1 through a 4 seed left. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kansas State, Loyola, and Nevada. I think most people are going to pick Kentucky. Yeah, so I mean, I'm still sticking with no number 1 seeds in the final four. March Madness has stayed consistent with the regular season that there's no clear-cut best team in the nation, no, this has been in my very, opinion. Uh, this has been a very good uh, very good year. And picture if the one-and-done rule wasn't wasn't in effect. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this college basketball season would be crazy. You got teams like Duke and Kentucky that are basically made up of all freshmen, 
um, you know, and, and they're well coached. So it, it would be interesting to see. Yeah. So who, who you got in the national championship game now? The, oh, man, it's, 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 tough, it's tough to pick a national title because, you know, I really want to go with Loyola. But they'd but, have to in your final four, they'd face up against Duke. Huh? In your final four, they face up against Duke, right? Yeah. Well, no, they're they're on the they're on the other side. They're on the other side of the bracket. They, oh, okay. They, they would play um, Texas A and M. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm not gonna go. With, I'm gonna go Loyola to the final four. That's where I'm gonna end it. Uh, <laughs> Saving going, yourself from a tattoo. I'm going Texas A and M and Duke. Okay. I unfortunately don't want to see Duke. Uh, Duke win it, but this is going to be a great matchup if it happens. The bit battle of the bigs. Yeah, that would be fun um, to watch. So, uh, but ultimately, I think Duke is looking like they're going to win it. I hate to say this as a North Carolina fan, but they are stacked. Uh, yeah, Marvin Bagley's a freak. He might be the best player in the tournament, and then that senior guard, that senior, he's he's a stud, and he he knows uh, he knows what moment he's in. This is his last run of Duke, so yeah, I'm going with the Dukies. Yeah, you're you're not you're not going to like it, but I have. Duke over Kentucky in the national championship now. Yeah, I I mean I don't like Duke by any means, <laughs> you but I'm Duke. aware I'm aware of what how good of a basketball team they are, and that's what's special about North Carolina and Duke. I mean, if they were some just doormat, it wouldn't no one would care. Yeah, exactly. It's the fact that we beat these guys twice, you know, twice this year that that makes it feel a little better. Yeah. So I guess real quick we can run through our picks for the Sweet 16 real quick. Okay. Yeah. So. We both have Loyola of Chicago beating Nevada. Yep, Kentucky over K-State. Yeah, I have Kentucky over Kansas State. Yep. I got West Virginia over Villanova. I got Nova over West Virginia. Okay, and then I got Texas Tech uh, beating Purdue. Me too, and just because of the injury to the Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's, that's sort of an upset, but it's a three over a two. Yeah, no, that's going to be a solid game. We got the Zags over Florida State. Definitely. You don't have Michigan over Texas A&M, no, but I, got, I do. I got Texas. Yeah, I got Texas A&M. All yeah, the way. so I got Michigan over Texas A&M. Kansas is going to beat Clemson. Yep. And Duke's going to beat Syracuse. We had no, we had no love for, uh, no love for Kansas. We didn't talk about them once, and they're uh, a one seed. So yeah, shows you where we. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Bill Self. He's an he's another incredible coach who's been around our entire he's, lifetime. Yep, definitely. So I mean, I just. I don't. I don't know. I just don't think a number no, one seed is going to be able to get it done this year. No, and Duke. I think most people, the eyeball test. If you're, you know, a basketball fan, you see Duke play. They're looking dangerous. No, oh, they're running on all cylinders. Yeah. yeah. So, as I, as I like to say, when we transition from college basketball to the NBA, from the players that should be paid to the players that are paid. Mm-hmm. Slam Magazine came out with their top 100 players in NBA history. The list hasn't officially come out yet. It's in print. Yeah, it's in print. It's not on the web. So in this day and age, it hasn't come out officially, but... We all know about it. Yeah, it's definitely out officially. The magazine's in stores. Um, but yeah, it was a great list. Yeah, so their top 10 players in NBA history. Number one, Michael Jordan. Yeah, of course. Number two, LeBron James. Number three, Magic. Number four, Kareem. Number five, Kobe. Six, Shaq. Seven, Bill Russell. Uh, eight, Wilt Chamberlain. Nine, Tim Duncan. Yep. Ten, Larry Bird. And if you want to go back in the TSK Show archives on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, just type in the Sports Kingdom Show. 
episode 12, Tyler and I did our top five greatest basketball players of all time. Yep. Tyler, who is your top five? My top five was uh, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, Magic, and Bird. And so my top five was Kobe, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Magic. Yep. So, I mean, I had Bird obviously much, much higher. Uh, and on that episode, I explained why. But um, And then the only – as far as, like, the top ten when it comes to, you know – when I'm looking at the list, the only person I really don't think is a top ten player is Duncan. Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people have a good, great argument for Duncan to be in the top ten. But um, in my opinion, I'll take Oscar Robertson um, and Hakeem over. Uh, I would as and, well. And honestly, probably Kevin Durant. Uh, I'd probably take Kevin Durant over Duncan. But that's just yeah, that's, that's because just... I know what kind of trajectory Kevin Durant's on. He's already accomplished so much. Yeah. so much, but. Um, and I mean, it's be, not that Duncan doesn't deserve it, but, right? But I, I just probably wouldn't. Put but it if you there. also, but if you also think about the, there was always a big argument of was it Kobe's era, or was it Tim Duncan's era? Yeah, it was Kobe's era because Kobe was a personality. Yeah, Kobe had yeah. Duncan's greatness relies on being part of something special, which yeah. was the San Antonio Spurs thirty year run. Yeah, you know, I mean, basically from David Robinson to now. Um, he was part of that run with Popovich and the Bigs. Um, he wasn't a dominant personality. He wasn't. He was an MVP player. He wasn't. Yeah. It's not. That he didn't dominate on the court. But the Spurs were the Spurs organization overtook Duncan, whereas Kobe was the organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I mean, my Co- bi- Kobe's era. My biggest gripe with uh, Slam's top five, at least with MJ, LeBron, Magic. Kareem and Kobe is is Kobe at five, but also LeBron who has a losing record in the finals being ahead of magic and Kareem. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, I just think when, you know, obviously Kareem has the career totals. Yeah. But I just think LeBron, when it comes to eyeball, I think most people just see a better basketball player. Yeah. It's not anything that's like head and shoulders above. But he individually has done everything you can do. He's going to be a top ten guy in points, assists, and rebounds. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe top, even top five, five in all three. Uh, he's doing things people don't. So I, I don't have a big. I, I see where your beef is because Magic and Kareem accomplished so much. But I still think LeBron's like regular season individual things overweigh his losing record in the finals. Yeah, and then I mean we were both talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but we have no idea what sort of criteria slam is using for this list. And it seems as if they did it as if the NBA were to end tomorrow. Because, because of, and the only reason I say that is things like Kawhi Leonard, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, uh, James Harden being 60 overall. Yeah. Uh, I think these guys, their trajectory is there. They could be that, but I don't. I don't know if Giannis is a top 100 basketball player of all time, or if Kawhi Leonard, for that matter, is a top 100 basketball player of all time. You know, James Harden probably just because he's had arguably three MVP seasons in a row now. Yeah. But still, I mean, he hasn't won a championship. He's been to one Finals and lost. And he was the reason they lost. And they have him at 60. Okay. It's not that they have. It's not that they don't. It's not that they have him on the list. They have him at. They have forty guys behind James Harden. Yeah. Um. So. So when you're saying it's confusing, and if you could see the list, you'd 
the things that are confusing is that's got to be one of them. Yeah, okay. So some some players that stand out to me are like Mello at 95, Pau Gasol at 93, but so, they got T-Mac at 57. So that instantly, because I started at 100, the, the first thing I noticed is there's no way in hell Carmelo is behind Pau. Even yeah. though Pau, even though Pau accomplished a lot, rookie of the year, all NBA, all stars, two championships, all of his international success, it goes back to I still trust my eyeballs when it comes to greatness, and yeah. I know what kind of player Carmelo Anthony is. I mean, he's he's like a, a fraction of a step behind of Kevin Durant, yeah, like talent wise, and he's how many positions? Thirteen to ninety five. 13 to 95, you're going to put a guy 80 positions back when his game is that close. I mean, fractionally close to Kevin Durant's game. That's uh, that's a little confusing. I, I, I don't see – there's no way I think Carmelo I, – I, mean, yeah, I mean, is 95. There's Carmelo, no way that he's behind James Harden. Carmelo, to me, is one of the best pure scorers in NBA history. Top five scorer in NBA oh, history. easily. And, and, and could be number one. I mean, really could be number one. That's how good, like, that's how good he is offensively. When it comes to an isolation play and everybody yeah. clears out. And yeah, has, there's an argument and for he has, Mello. If Carmelo has the ball on the right side of the rim and the, and the other four guys clear out, he is almost unstoppable. I mean, a Kobe, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan level. Yeah, oh, for sure. And then, I mean, I probably wouldn't have had T-Mac up as high because he got injured in his prime, but yep. I do understand that the greatness was there. But he also, just because of injuries, never yep. got over the hump and won a ring. Yeah, and the guys that are right behind him, someone like Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, guys that made the longevity stardom. And that have rings. And, and yes, maybe their prime. And so the other thing that I was confused with is, like, are we judging these players by their primes? Um, you know, outside of, like, are we judging it from like today? You know, that's why Giannis is on. Or are we judging it by their primes? That's why T Max so high, right? Because his prime was unreal. But as a career, as a whole, I don't know. I I probably would take Ray Allen and and Paul Pierce over T Mac. Um, and then there, there's a there's another one, Grant Hill. Grant Hill at 81. I yeah, mean, that's another guy that had he had a prime of maybe four or five years. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's like uh, his prime was cut short. Yeah, his prime was cut short. So I don't know, you know, are they, it looks as if they're valuing the prime. Yeah. And then the last thing is winning. Um, I think those are the three main things that confuse me. Is it is it about their primes? Is it about how much they won? Or is it about, like, you know, current players right now, like a James Harden and Giannis? Yeah. And it's like winning. They got Tony Parker in the at 67. Now, Tony Parker is a great Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Maybe a top 100 player, but 67. I mean, see, I liked I liked Tony Parker at 67, and I liked Manu Ginobili at 72, because those are two of the top international players ever. Yeah, but we're talking NBA players. I mean, international or not? But no, but I'm saying the what they've gotten, what they've accomplished in the NBA as international players puts them as two of the top international players ever. No, in they're my for sure two of the top international players, but. I just don't know if they're a top 75 player of all time. I mean, I guess I would have to make my own full list. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- that's the, that but, was the only kind of confusing stuff about the list, what was being put into consideration. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And that, that goes back to, like, you know, the uh, 
Carmelo and but Pau I'm Gasol. Sure. Obviously, Pau Gasol was ranked above because of his winning. You got people like Penny Hardaway on the list. Yeah. Whereas, like, Penny Hardaway's prime is would destroy Tony Parker's prime. But Tony Parker's obviously ahead because of his body of work, his career, and his winning. And I guess I'm, I'm a, I would assume that all of the criteria was explained in the magazine. We just don't have it. Oh, maybe. I mean, when uh, when the NBA came out with their, their top 50 in 96, there was no real criteria. It was just Yeah, the NBA just players. put out that list. 50 greatest players. Um, so a couple, but, other, a couple other names okay, that yeah. shocked me, and I guess I'll ask if you liked where they were ranked. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Steve Nash and CP3 at 34 and 35, respectively? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because my biggest beef with this list is point guards. <laughs> That's my number one beef for this list is, is the point guards. Like, you know, Isaiah's great, but Isaiah Thomas over all – okay, so they got – And we're talking Isaiah, Detroit they, Pistons, Isaiah Thomas. They, they got Isaiah Thomas over uh, over John Stockton, yeah. the all-time assist leader, over Jason Kidd, over Steve Nash, AI, yeah. CP3, even Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry's another one where I'm like, I don't understand how he's the fourth greatest point guard of all time. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, Steph Curry is a special player – but it's like, I mean, the guy took three – he, you know, played college basketball longer than most guys do. He took three years to develop into the league. Yes, he had he a has bunch two, of ankle injuries. He has two MVPs and, and two championships, which is why he's rated so high. But this is another one of those things where I just don't know if I'm taking Steph Curry over Stockton, J-Kid, AI. You know, J, that's – I don't know. The point guards was a, a little shaky to me. Oh, for sure. But um, as far as, as – Nash and Chris Paul, I mean, I think I think uh, they're probably ranked a little far back. I mean, I'd probably have them maybe in the late twenties, but they're ranked. Yeah, uh, they're ranked as far as they're overall ranked pretty well. It's where they're ranked at in the point guard. Yeah, in I terms of like. where they're at on the list. Yeah, because I, I I mean I think Steve Nash is a top three point guard of all time, and CP3 is fucking real close. Yeah. And then what do you think about Dwight Howard at number 89? You know, Dwight Howard's a guy that, like, that I th- he was the best big man in the league for an entire era. Almost. We both think he's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, um, so it's a little low to me. I think he gets Yeah, I thought it was he, a little low. He gets hated on because of who he is. He's, a, he's part of this social media generational players like LeBron and all these guys. That that's why. But it's like Dikembe Mutombo, I'm taking Dwight Howard. Now, Dikembe was a great player. He played 20 years in the NBA and took the Sixers to the finals. But Dwight Howard was more dominant than he but was. Dwight Howard was the best big man in the league. Now, Dwight, DeCambe played with, like, some of the greats. Um, and even Alonzo Mourning at 78, like, I, I'm still taking Dwight Howard over those guys. Yeah, I would too. Look at Dwight Howard's rebounding numbers. They're ungodly. Yeah. And then I'd probably have put Dirk in my top 25. Slam had him at 27 between kg at 26 and ai at 28 i thought putting kg and dirk next to each other was a cop out because that's probably it's tough to pick between those two. Oh yeah but i think they nailed i think they nailed the the the, the power forwards i think they did really good because some of these older players that are ahead of them like to me you know like steph curry is probably closer to those guys like steph curry and isaiah thomas are probably closer to like dirk and duncan i'd agree with that um but as far as their top five Power forwards, they went Duncan, Barkley, Malone, Garnett, and Dirk, which I think is, like, clearly the best, the top five power forwards ever. And to have all five of them in the top 27, I think that's pretty pretty close to how it really is. How would you feel about Dwayne Wade at 23? 
it's it's tough to it's tough to look back and at the shooting guard position because he's now they're saying he's a top three shooting guard. That sounds kind of crazy, but he, no, that doesn't sound crazy to me. But then when you look at the list, he is—he's right up there with his accomplishments and what he's done. It's. Do you, I mean, would would you rank? He just has the championship, so they're obviously like you know put that. But to me, when I watched, like McGrady's prime, I think was just as good as D Wade's prime. You know what I mean? AI, I think was just as good as as him but you put James Harden but you put D Wade over them because of championships yeah so okay so if you were to rank the top shooting guards ever you would go Michael Kobe Dwayne Wade yeah and I would go Kobe Michael Dwayne Wade yeah yeah those three are 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 the three guys yeah I think that most people have um then it, then it's another crop of those guys, the guys that I just said. Like, yeah, James Harden. Like James Harden, T-Mac, if you want to put T-Mac in there. AI, which a lot of people have. You know, I AI played with a lot of point guards. So it's he, like in my head yeah. he played with a lot of point guards. but he, uh, So he, like, he played the two, but he's not a two guard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's like Ray Allen, you know, the stuff like that. Like he, he was extremely – uh, yeah, accomplished. Yeah. He has and two he's rings. A, he yeah, has and he's one a le- two guard. And he has one less that he has one less ring than D Wade. Actually, it'd be interesting to pull up Ray Allen's stats next to D Wade's. Yeah, that would be. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think at the end of the day, D Wade at three is probably where where he should be. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, that was yeah. That was, do you have any it, other uh, gripes or praises I th- you want to give out? No, I mean I think the 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 big ones were Duncan, I just don't think he's top 10 all time. Um I'm going to I take Stephen Curry, John Stockton and and Allen Iverson over Isaiah Thomas for sure. Yeah. Um definitely putting definitely putting Powell and uh or not Powell. Uh I'm definitely taking Carmelo and Dwight and moving them up the list. Oh, far a lot further up the um, list. And then with the young guys, I just think that it's, it's a little premature for guys like Kawhi, Giannis, James Harden to be that high on the list. Agreed. So, I I have three storylines from the NBA that I saw from this week. All right. Uh that I'm going to throw at Tyler. He he has no idea what they are. Um, this is this should be interesting. I'm, Last time this went pretty well. I'm just going to get his instant reaction. All right. So, Mark Stein former ESPN yeah. reporter. He now works for the New York Times. There he, we go. He came out with a story today. It was denied by Buck's senior vice president, Alex Lazary, completely denied the rumor. But Mark Stein is saying the list for potential candidates for the head coaching job for the Bucks are as follows. Oh, here we go. Kevin McHale. Okay. Jeff Van Gundy. All right. Monty Williams. All right. David Fisdale. Okay. And the last name, Rick Pitino. Wow. Rick Pitino back to the NBA one more time. He's, he may be. Well, first first gut reaction, I'm John, uh, Jeff Van Gundy is number one on my list. Okay. Uh, big Van Gundy fan. But at the same time, he's been gone the longest. So that's – but that, he hasn't. He's been gone from coaching. He hasn't been gone from, from the, the game. NBA. No, no. But it's a different game than when he last coached. True. Very uh, true. I mean, he co- he was coaching Ewing when he he was last coaching. So yeah. Um, what was the first name on the list? Kevin McHale. Okay, so Kevin McHale and Monty Williams and Fisdale, those guys have all coached recently and all been coach of the year candidates. So, yeah. I mean, if the if these are the names they're bringing in, and then obviously Patino, Patino is probably. 
I mean, he's a great he's a great coach, and he's done well in, in like tournament scenarios. So obviously, his game to game coaching is good. But I mean, he didn't have great success when he coached Boston. No. Uh, and Boston's as good as a franchise that there is. So he got reaction. Van Gundy's five or number one. Patino's five. Uh, the other three guys. Just put them in any order. Yeah. Uh, if I were to put, if I were to like actually have the power, it would probably go Fizdale, McHale. Um, Williams, Monty Williams. Okay. Yeah, Monty Williams though, you know, his, his wife passed away. He's probably like really locked into wanting to get back to basketball. Yeah, it'd be really cool to see him get a job. Yeah. All right, and then second storyline, obviously, probably the biggest news from yesterday: Ty Lue taking a leave of absence to focus on his health. Hasn't been able to finish three games this season due to illness. Gut reaction. That's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. yeah i i mean that's just like it's obviously something mental it's the whole stress of this you know it's coaching lebron he, he, coaching lebron coaching he's... lebron is is bad for his health that's not <laughs> he, he can't handle it i mean he won a championship year one and was given like you know the best team in basketball arguably you know obviously the warriors are there and yeah. other teams but arguably a you know easy top five roster so and he's got arguably the greatest player ever on his team that's it's just a lot of stress and if they don't win it's his fault most people aren't gonna i mean people blame lebron but they're also gonna point fingers at the coach and if they don't win he's fired so yeah i mean i, I got reaction lebron's bad for his health <laughs> but it's 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 a tough he position hasn't finished three games all year like there have been three instances during games where he has had to go to the locker room and yeah, not finish the game. That's all that I think. That's like mental health stuff. I it, mean, no, I mean, just like Kevin Love coming out about it, and uh, who was the other guy that came up? Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan. You know, this is this is this generation too. I mean, yeah, kids and young people are growing up with the awareness of like depression, anxiety, all that. Yeah, stuff. no, I mean, stress stress is a mental health issue. And, and yeah, so it's affecting his body. Yeah, and I mean at the at the end of the day, no game, game seven, championship ring or any of that is more important than the game of life. Yeah, no, it's 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 messing with him for sure. Yeah. It's, it's the stress of LeBron. Yeah. And then last one for today. Will Kawhi Leonard play again this season? He delayed his return once again. He was looking to play against the Pelicans on Thursday, but he won't be active for the game. Will he play again this season? I think there's a really good chance he'll play this season. I, I do as well. I think it's almost 100% he'll play in the playoffs. So Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's it's probably like, if I were to put a number on it, like 75%, 80% chance he's playing this, this season and 100% chance he's playing in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that, Spurs. that wraps it up for the NBA talk. Yep. So I just I just thought those were three interesting stories. No, that that is those those are interesting. The Ty Lue stuff's crazy. Oh yeah. So now Tyler and I were talking about it, and I mean this off season for the NFL has been one of the craziest off seasons. Big names in recent memory. A lot of big names and a lot of big pieces moving around. So we figured we would rank our top ten NFL off season moves from the off season so far. Yep. Do you want to you want to start with the number one, or you want to start with the number ten and work our way up? Uh, we can start with ten. All right. So for my number ten, I got the Cardinals signing Sam Bradford to a one-year, twenty million dollar deal. Fifteen million dollars of this deal is guaranteed. 
the only reason this move made the list for me is because I'm so confused by this deal. I mean, injuries have been a huge part of Sam Bradford's career. He hasn't really been proven since his – I mean, he tore his ACL his rookie year, right? Yeah, he's yeah he's had, he's had multiple – he's had three season-ending injuries since yeah. he's been in the league. And I know the Cardinals have to replace Carson Palmer, but I feel like they're better replacements than Sam Bradford, especially for $15 million for yeah. one year. Yeah. Um, Bradford, to me, is not on my top ten list uh, because of, like, some of the things you just said. But Bradford is also a guy that could – if he – and this is a huge if, but if he stays healthy, that could be a dangerous, dangerous like combination with him and Larry Fitzgerald because he is a pure thrower. Yeah, he's um, one of the he was one of the best college quarterbacks ever in recent memory. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and he's been paid ridiculous amounts every <laughs> everywhere he goes. I don't know what the deal <laughs> is with that. Um, you got a really good agent, but uh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I I think what this what this shows me is they want to have a competition. Um, but I think they're going to draft or, or you know, bring someone else in. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like they want to have a competition at quarterback this year. And I think Arizona's looking as if they're going to be the worst team in the division this year. So um, I don't really know exactly if they're if it was a panic move or it was just the best they could get and they got to get somebody, you know. But uh, one-year deal, I guess, is the best part of it. And if you got the salary cap, you might as well spend it. Yeah, exactly. So – um, coming at number 10, I got Aqib Tlaib going to the Rams. Uh, okay. The only reason I got him at number 10 is because of, of his age and scenario with L.A. I, you know, they brought in another corner. Uh, they have a couple other guys. He could be he could be a Pro Bowl corner easily for the Rams. Um, he's a little bit little bit older now, but I still think he's going to be a super productive player. So I got, I got him upgrading the, the secondary for the Rams, but – He's by no means their best defensive player, so oh, it's, not, no. it's, not, it's not a huge addition, but they it takes them from being a good de- a good defensive back core to probably the best defensive back core. Yeah. So who, who what's your number nine move? Jordy Nelson going to Oakland, replacing Michael Crabtree with Derek Carr. Um, I know Amari Cooper didn't treat you well last year in fantasy football, oh. but I still think Amari Cooper is a solidified uh, number one receiver. Uh, bringing in a vet like Jordy Nelson with Derek Carr, um, I, uh, Oakland set up nicely. I like their football team, so that that's a that's a big pickup when you're losing Crabtree to get Jordy Nelson. Yeah, and he's another red zone target like a Crabtree. Yeah, I I have that a little bit further up on my list, so I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, my number nine is Tyron Matthew signing with the Houston Texans. the The Texans last season were a team with a lot of promise. Yep. Uh, before, obviously, Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt would, went down with injuries. Mm-hmm. I think the addition of Honey Badger is just going to be that much better for them on defense, especially with J.J. Watt coming back healthy. Yep. They got Jadavion Clowney, who has turned into the player that everyone thought he was going to be. Yep, I got I got Matt, though, a little bit higher on the list, the Honey Badge. Okay. All right, for sure. Yeah. Uh, my number eight was the Seahawks trading Michael Bennett to the Eagles. I got him way higher. <laughs> the the Eagles adding just another dominant defensive player. Now yep. you're going to have to face Chris Long, Fletcher Cox, and Michael Bennett all at the same time. They're the Eagles are just doing everything they can to repeat. Yeah, no, they're trying to restack and reload and make another Super Bowl run with their their young quarterback. So um, I think that's like I said, I got him a lot higher. So I think that's that was a huge pickup for them. Uh, at number eight, I got Sam Fran picking up Richard Sherman. Okay. Um, 
again, I have him kind of far back, even though his, like him and Tlaib's names are massive names. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always tough being a corner at, you know, 30 plus. Uh, Sherman's coming off of his second Achilles injury, which is not a good sign. To Never me. good. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash Sherman, but, you know, I think he's taking a step back. That's why he's back on my list a little bit. But he's still a great pickup for San Francisco, especially being in in this division, being able to play the Hawks twice a year. Um, that's that. There, San Francisco is definitely making the right moves to try and make a playoff run this year. Oh, 100%. Um, and seven then, and then seven i got jarvis landry uh going to cleveland okay uh i think getting a compliment receiver to josh gordon uh is important in so many different ways a because you don't know when josh gordon you know i'm a fan of josh gordon i don't think he's a bad person um i think his case has been handled kind of incorrectly but you don't know if he's going to be on the field he hasn't yeah. been on the field so to get jarvis landry you have a, a guy that's accomplished a lot in this league he can be number one but if you do have him on the field, now you have a combination that, you know, Josh Gordon is, to me, a top five talent in the NFL as far yeah, as no. receivers. Jarvis he, Land- could be, he could be the best receiver in the NFL. And to bring in someone like Jarvis Landry, who's probably a top 20 guy, um, maybe even higher, that's uh, wh- whoever they have at quarterback next year, that is, that is luxury right there. That's what that is. Oh, yeah. And, I mean – Jarvis Landry and Flash Gordon together, that's a two-headed monster on the field that I don't think any DB group wants to see. No, no, that's that's headaches. I mean, if they get a guy that's capable of getting them the ball, which I think they will, um, they're looking scary. Yeah, and so my, my number seven is, you already kind of touched on it, but it's the Packers cutting Jordy Nelson and then Jordy Nelson signing with the Raiders. Yep. Aaron Rodgers' favorite target is gone from Green yeah. Bay. Yep. Uh, that was probably the biggest shock, but I guess obviously they got some injury concerns with Jordy Nelson because yeah. he hasn't been all that healthy as of late. But like you said, that gives Derek Carr another big target since the Raiders had to get rid of Michael Crabtree to be able yeah. to afford uh, signing Jordy Nelson. And that also led to the Packers signing Jimmy Graham, yep. which is basically, I think, an even kind of replacement. Yeah, because Jordy Nelson was a Packer and he, he went through that system and, and he was like a – you know, uh, kind of missed when coming out of college. Uh, oh, yeah. So the things that he, he brings to the table, he, he was a Packer. He knew that system inside and out. And Jimmy Graham brings an individual talent that's just – that's scary. Yeah. So um, would you have number six? Number six, I got Danny Amendola signing with the Miami Dolphins. Danny Amendola, I don't have him on my top ten at all. Now, see, the reason I have him on my top ten is – him leaving New England was a big surprise. It he isn't the only one to leave this offseason from New England. Yeah. Maybe some of that story that ESPN put out about the potential demise of the Patriots had some truth to it. Who knows? No. They're not losing big names. I mean, they're <laughs> losing Amendola names. They're not losing They lost Malcolm Butler. They but I mean, he didn't, they didn't even play him. I mean, they were obviously moving on from him. And, and but yes, look where that is, got them. He he is a good and he is a good player. But they're also bringing in players. I mean, they signed someone like Danny Shelton, who is a right. stud at that position. Right. Um, New England's the masters at, at picking up talent when no one wants them and getting rid of it when they need to. You know, it's they don't they don't overpay people. They don't get stuck in bad contracts. They're not stuck with people that are are dropping off. Uh, I'm not worried about the pack, the Patriots at all. I mean, just the same as the Seahawks. I mean, people are saying the same kind of things about the Seahawks. But 
look at the names they kept. Don't look at the names they're leaving. And this is a uh, these are franchises that win, you know, and historically, and they always bring in their kind of guys. Yeah. So I mean, it'll just be interesting to see what ends Amandola, up happening. Amendola, I think, was the the product of of good quarterbacking. I don't think oh, he was for anything sure. special. I was excited when he went to New England um, to get a shot to play with a good quarterback, and then he really just put up pedestrian numbers. Yeah. Um, but And Miami is just a mess right now. Uh, but that's a different story. Yeah, see, I, I, that, I mean, the, him going to Miami isn't a big deal. It was more him leaving, leaving New, New England. England. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number six, I got Ty, Tyrod Taylor. Um, I got him over a number of quarterbacks as a pickup because I think what Tyrod Taylor gives Cleveland is a guy that they – like they can go with week one if they don't find themselves in a good position in the draft. I don't think anybody knows what they're going to do in the draft. Are they going to trade the number one pick? Are they going to take Barkley? Are they going to take a quarterback with one of those, you know, that one or that four pick? Um, but now I think they have the luxury where they don't have to take a quarterback. They don't feel like this exactly. is a franchise guy. Exactly. They've got a year. They've, they've picked up major playmakers. Like I just said, Jarvis Landry basically picked up Josh Gordon because he hasn't been playing. Um, and they also signed Carlos Hyde on offense. They also have Duke Johnson. They took Njoku in the first round last year as a tight end. Um, Tyrod Taylor has weapons around him. For uh, once. For once. I, th- I definitely think this is Cleveland's year of making a playoff push. And I think Tyrod Taylor is the reason why. I, wait, hold on. You said the Browns are going to make a playoff push? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think they're looking you think, at it. You think they're going to go from no wins to a playoff push? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think they're, they're – no wins, I don't think, reflects how good of a team they were. They have players. I mean, people like Jabril Preppers and, and Miles Garrett, young defensive studs, okay? They're going to pick up some more defensive players. Um, then you, we talked about their wide receiver core. I like their running back rotation with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. They have a good offensive line. Um, you know, really they needed someone to play quarterback and they they need someone to teach them how to win. Uh, and the winning part is, you know, still kind of up in the air. But I, th- if I look at their roster on paper, I'm saying this is a winning football team right now for sure. Okay. Especially with the one through four pick. If they, I really hope they get Minka Fitzpatrick with the fourth pick because I think if – That would be a smart pickup. If they get Fitzpatrick at corner with Jabril Preppers at safety, Miles Garrett off the edge, they're going to be looking – they're going to be looking nice. All right. You heard it here first. Cleveland Browns are going to make, make a, playoff a playoff push, push according sure. to Tyler. Absolutely. When the NFL comes around, you better believe I'll be I'll be saying that. <laughs> All right. What, what was your number five move? Number five, you got you got them back a little bit, but number five, I got Honey Badger. Okay. Um, I think this is huge pickup. I'm a huge Honey Badger fan. Yeah. Now, he's small, so he gets dinged up quite a bit. I don't know if he's ever played 16 games, but this is a guy that's been all pro at corner and safety. Uh, this is a guy that's super talented, uh, flies all over the field, and to pair him with someone like J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney and all those guys in Houston, um, Houston was the most unfortunate team in the league last year. 100%. So I think this is big time, big time move. Um, Texans are going to uh, arguably have the best defense in the NFL. Uh, we'll see how the stats look, but on paper, they're star-studded, and Honey Badger's as good of a safety as any, and he's going to start game one for them for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I mean, you, your biggest concern, concern, I guess, was his injuries. And, I mean, his contract is kind of like a prove-me contract. Like, yeah, yeah. They're not willing he's to – He has to play. Even with all pro 
caliber talent and all pro awards, he's still people are still worried about him because he's five nine. Yeah, he's he's playing in the NFL and he's getting dinged up. I think the most games he's ever played was thirteen games, and he was all pro in thirteen games. That's crazy. Yeah. So my my number five was or is. Kirk Cousins signing the three-year, eighty-four Number million. five, huh? Yeah. Okay. Kirk Cousins signing a three-year, eighty-four million dollar contract with the Vikings. It's the first fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. Yep. Take, like, think about this for a second. In 2015, Kirk Cousins made six hundred and sixty thousand dollars for the season mm-hmm. with the Redskins. Yep. That offseason, he got franchise tagged and got almost twenty million dollars. Yep. For the 2016 season. And then after that season, they fucked that up. That first season, that season you're talking about right there, that's where they, that's where the Redskins fucked up. Yeah. And then after that season, before this past season, he got franchise tagged again. Yeah. Got almost twenty four million dollars for the last season. He also in this new contract has a full no trade clause. Yeah. He, I mean, kudos to him and his uh, his agent. They they made it happen. But he's got the he's got the smartest agent in the NFL. DC. DC messed that up. They should have. They should have paid. They would have been paying him maybe ten, twelve million a year, and non guaranteed. Yeah, two exactly. years ago. And then not only did they, you know, franchise taking, which is not necessarily the way. It's because again, you have the money, you got to spend it somewhere, and, and quarterback's the most important position. But you're overpaid him for two years uh, when you could have been paying him less and kept him, and now you're losing your guy, uh, who you've disrespected the whole time. You gave up your whole team to get Robert Griffin. Yeah, exactly. And, and you force him. Um, DC deserves what they got in that one. Yeah. At, at Minnesota, that, that's a, that's a pickup. I I obviously have him higher, but yeah. And then I mean, just obviously the effect that it had on him the going domino, to Minnesota, every, the domino effect. Which I want to come back to. Honestly, the original domino though is is Gucci Garoppolo. Oh yeah, that, that's the original domino. That's where it all started for this season because everyone knew that this season, you know, there's going to be all this movement. There was this list of guys that came out, and uh, Kirk Cousins' original number one team was San Francisco. Oh yeah. So you know, if Jimmy doesn't go to San Francisco, this whole dominoes effect is completely different. Yeah, and also and all, just- also with Minnesota's uh, success with Keenum, he moved up. I think he was in a name that was on the short list of everybody's like. You know, as far as like Bridgewater and Bradford, I think they were more attractive to people than Keenum was, and now Keenum, I think, leapfrogged those. Oh, guys. especially because of the injuries with the other two. Yeah, that's yeah, and just I mean, as as far as talking about last year, like foreseeing this off season, you know, I don't think I don't think Keenum was very high on people's list, and now he is. Now yeah, he, you know, but also I think not. The domino wasn't just Garoppolo going to San Francisco. It was the contract that they signed him to was... Yeah, no, they said he's our guy. Yeah. Yeah. But those numbers that he got for his track record of success so far... Yeah. No, and it is because it's a small sample size, but that's quarterback position. Every... Every year, the well now they change the rule, but the rookie quarterbacks every year break the record. You know, yeah, every exactly. year the new free agent breaks the record. That's just it's the highest paid position in football, and it's always going to get higher and higher. So that's just kind of the nature. It, it's it's no surprise to me. Cousins' contract breaks the record. It's just it's who's up next. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Just he happened to be the the most attractive pick this off season. Yeah. So who you got number four? Um. 
I guess I'll kind of just combine my three and four because we've already talked about him. Okay. But it's um, at four, I have the Browns trading for Jarvis Landry, and three, the Browns trading for Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. So big pickups. Yeah. Pairing Landry and Josh Gordon and Tyrod Taylor, well, that's going to result in wins for the Browns. Yeah. They also have the number one and the number four pick in the first round. As of right now. Yeah, as of right now. If they don't use one of those picks on Saquon Barkley, the Browns don't deserve to win another game ever in their history. I think they either, with that number one pick, they either need to take him or they need to trade it. You know, they they brought in, like like I said, they brought in Carlos Hyde. They have Duke Johnson. So they have serviceable guys, guys that are good but not – Saquon Barkley could be Barry Sanders. Exactly. Um, this could be – but he could be Reggie Bush. So it it just – and not that, you know, Reggie's not great, but at the second pick or the first pick or whatever, when you're, when you're picking a running back, it's just – you better be sold on him. And if he really is that talent, if he's the guy, whether you have – whether you need him or not, you take him if he's really that talented. If not, they need to trade that pick. Yeah, you don't – Because I, need the, I think people want Barkley – so that number one pick, I think he's for sure going to go first pick, um, which is crazy for a running back nowadays to go first pick. But yeah. the people are going to give up an arm and a leg for him. Yeah, and I mean, you don't – I mean, you said this before we started recording. You don't want to look back and he, him turn into something great and be like, that's the guy we passed up on. Yeah, that's what I worry about for the Browns is like right now sitting here today – I I see Carlos Hyde's name. I see Duke Johnson's name, and I know that they're you know, serviceable, serviceable guys. Backs. They're good players, and that's not a weakness of your team if those are your guys. But in ten years, am I going to know Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson's name and be like that was that's the combo when Saquon Barkley could be one of the greatest running backs ever? Exactly, and then but that's mean, putting a lot of you know that's that's a tough decision. I'm glad I'm not making that decision. Hundred percent, but. Uh, I think they either they either take him or they trade the number one pick. Yeah, and then as far as Tyrod Taylor, we both – I mean, you said it already. Tyrod Taylor's by no means the end-all, be-all of a quarterback in the no, NFL, no. but he's the best they've had in a long time. And I think he's a guy that's – it's a crutch to get you to the quarterback. I'm, I'm a believer that you shouldn't just take a quarterback because you need a quarterback. You should wait, like, on someone that's really good. Exactly. You should wait on a guy that you're sold on. And then you go all in, you know, you wait for that Andrew Luck or that Cam Newton, that prospect you can't pass up on, especially because they're in like a five-year plan. They're in the middle of like a five-year plan, basically. So it's not that you're expecting them to win a playoff game this year. So Tyrod Taylor's a competitor, too. So you bring him into camp with someone, he's probably going to win that competition. Yeah. Um, But at number four, I have Marcus Peters. Um, another another corner that I, the Rams picked up. I think they're just stacking that defense to go along with their pass rush. Yep. Um, which is just they're trying to make a Super Bowl run. So uh, Marcus Peters, keep the lead, best cornerback combo in the league now, outside of arguably Jacksonville. Yep. Um, and then number three, this is a big one for me. Uh, Marcus Pouncey going to Carson. Yeah, um, no, that's big. I I think the Chargers are always a team that's it's a is a talented group, uh, especially with Philip Rivers protecting Philip Rivers. That's gonna be big time. They have a good running game, um, so I think bringing in uh, a talent like Pouncey to Carson uh, solidifies that offensive line a little bit and allows them to do what they can do on offense. And the Chargers, they're probably if they have the opportunity, they'll probably take a quarterback. Because they're getting ready for Philip Rivers yeah, and, to retire. Well, and they and they have the luxury of having Philip Rivers still, so they can, you know, they can wait. 
Yeah. They, you know, or they if if they see a guy that like what Seattle did, if they see a guy that they know that's going third, fourth, fifth round, and they know he's a talent, they can take him in the second or the third round before everybody else is, because they have Philip Rivers, you know, to crush them along. And that's what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. They they worked out a bunch of quarterbacks, and they knew Russell. If you listen to interviews that Schneider and Pete Carroll, they knew Russell was their guy. Yeah. They knew it. They they knew where they were going to take him. They knew pe- no one was going to take him before they in early in the third. He was projected as like a fifth or sixth round draft pick. Um, so you know they, that could be a scenario for Carson. Yeah. And then so my number two move is uh, and you spoke about it already, but the Seahawks releasing Richard Sherman and, and him signing with the Forty ers Yeah. It the end of the LOB era in Seattle. Obviously, it's a sad yeah. day. Yeah, it's a different era. Yeah, it's a different era. Time to turn the page, different chapter in the in the same book. See if they can keep the momentum it'd be like they've it, had going. Yeah, it'd be like if the Migos dropped takeoff. You know, we <laughs> still got we still we still got Offset. We still got Quavo. Is Earl Thomas Quavo and Cam Chancellor Offset? Yep, yep, for sure. There you go. So you know, we dropped we dropped one of the Migos. You know, we ain't the Migos no more, but we're still badass. We can still get it done. No, but I mean, I just think. But moving to San Francisco, that's the big part of it all. And that just makes the NFC West so much more interesting next year. Yeah, absolutely. That was my gut reaction. I knew, uh, like, when I first heard that Sherman was going to leave, I was like, he's going to, if he has a shot, he's going to go to San Francisco. It just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so number two, two, I got Michael Bennett going to, going to Philly. I think that's a big time pickup from Philly, uh, solidifying that pass rush. Uh, Michael Bennett came out and said, I told Alex Smith of the Pro Bowl, he can't run for me. I've told Dak Prescott I'm I'm coming for him. I told Eli that he better watch out. You know, oh like, man, he's ready to go. That uh, I think, and, and yes, he is. He is creeping up in age too, which is so. Like when I'm sitting from my Seahawks side of the table, I'm like, oh, Michael Ben and Richard Sherman, they're getting up there in age. Yeah, you know, we don't have to overpay these guys. But if I'm sitting from Philly's side, it's like we're getting a guy that's that's still in his prime and that he's been stuff. there and done that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he knows what it takes to win a win a win a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's just another good thing for Philadelphia. Yep, definitely. And he and you know I think he's a, a good cold weather guy. Uh, I think that's a that's a good move. He's yeah. a power rusher. He's not this finesse guy. Yeah. So, what, what's your what's your number one move? Number one, I got I got to go with Minnesota getting Kirk Cousins, uh, getting their guy. Not necessarily because I think Kirk Cousins is the best uh, quarterback or out there, or you know. He's something crazy. I just think that they needed they needed to solidify that position and move on because Minnesota's so talented everywhere else. Like at every single position group, they're talented. They just needed consistency at quarterback, which is what Case Keenum brought them. Right. That's why they did so well, is because Case Keenum, you know you're getting with him every single week. But Kirk Cousins, even though it's controversial, I mean their stats, if you compare Keenum and Cousins, Keenum has the better stats, but now Cousins is coming to Keenum's team. He'll have the same opportunities Keenum had. Uh, I've always thought Kirk Cousins is a top ten guy when it comes to throwing the ball. You know, he doesn't have like the athleticism that some of these guys have, but when it comes to just throwing the ball, he throws a pretty ball. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be a huge pickup for Minnesota. That's their best chance with the guys that are available to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like like you said that consistency of having one quarterback who knows it's his job and his yeah. job alone. Yeah. Case Keenum had Sam Bradford hovering over him. He yeah. had Teddy Bridgewater hovering over him yeah. when he came back from the injury. It was just 
there was no consistency and nobody really knew whose it's same, job it was. It's the same reason why Alex Smith always wins these quarterback competitions. It's just when you great example when you have a guy that you know what you're getting at quarterback that just it just helps you out so much because you you know whether he's like the best or not you know you can game plan around it you know what I mean and you can you can you shape your team around what Alex Smith Case Keenum. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you can shape your team around what they're doing, even if they're not your tier one quarterback. Exactly. It's like Jeff Fisher. You can have a tier one team around these tier two guys and still make it happen. Look at Foles. Yeah, but it's like Jeff Fisher. You're guaranteed you know you're going eight and eight with Jeff Fisher. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either that or the Super Bowl run. Well. His lone Super Bowl run, the, the Music City Miracle. Yeah. And then my number one, obviously, I haven't mentioned – you've mentioned a couple of the moves – individually but i'm lumping them all into one the rams had the best offseason out of any team in the nfl they had a good one for sure they have a win now mentality especially after last season's success they've loaded up on draft picks we're we're getting uh two third round uh compensatory picks because of a couple players we lost this this offseason and the biggest i think surprise for me when I saw the numbers was Tremaine Johnson is getting $26 million from the jets this season. Mm-hmm. He just signed with them in the off season. Yep. The Rams are paying Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Sam Shields, and Marcus Joyner, who they franchise tagged a combined $25 million this that's, season. That's great GM work. That's great GM work. And, and I mean, they got, they, they were able to cash in, on teams that needed to get rid of guys. Exactly. Which is what the Patriots do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, I had two Rams in my top ten. Um, yeah, I mean, I just had to lump all the moves they made. Getting getting rid of Alec Ogletree and Robert Quinn, those were two big parts of our team, but yeah. it was either it was coming time to either pay them again yeah. or they weren't living up to their yeah. contract. It was time to get rid of them. No, I think they've had a great offseason. I think it's – between them and Cleveland, I mean Cleveland's. Cleveland had, had a very good offseason. They've had a, a, a fantastic offseason, um, and I think the two teams that are getting hate on this shit is and I sound like a broken record, but Seattle and New England. <laughs> um, I just think that those franchises are ran so well. People see names that are leaving, but they forget Bobby Wagner is a defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, Earl Thomas is the best player on our defense. He's the best safety in football. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, we're, we're we're still bringing back those guys. Patriots still got Brady and Gronk, and, and from what I can remember, that's does it for them. So it's yeah, you know, I I, I think people are, are want to hate these teams. They want to see CL and New England take a step back. I don't think they're taking steps back. They're two of the best teams in the draft. Uh, they're going to bring in talent. Uh, so L.A. Cleveland, good for you. You guys made all the right additions, and I think you've definitely made your teams better. Especially the Rams are, are are trying to make a Super Bowl run, and Cleveland's trying to end a drought that's unreal. You know, as far as just like playoffs and and being competitive year to year, uh, they made the the most the most progress. But don't sleep, everyone. Don't sleep on New England and Seattle. Out of out of everything you just said, I took two things away from it. Yeah. And just think about this for a second. Just yeah. go with me here. Yeah. You said L.A. And Cleveland had very good off seasons. Yeah, hell yeah. The football teams in LA and Cleveland had very good off seasons. Yeah. What are, what's going to happen in the off seasons for LA and Cleveland basketball teams? 
it, it could be it could be the same. It could be completely polar opposite. Could go really bad for Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> in the offseason. I mean, I think it's shaping up to go really bad. Now, the L.A. You know, like we've said on the show, our opinions changing through the year because of yeah. people like Randall progressing. So we're feeling more and more confident that we don't have to make these big splashes. Yeah. But Cleveland and LA sports, you know, they're 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 trying to make these moves to become these these contenders year in and year out. Well, LA is always a contender year in and year out. I don't care what anybody says. But this says. has been a record stretch, regardless. Recordly bad stretch. Thank you. So Thank we're trying to get out of me. it. We're trying to get out of it. You got any uh, shout outs before we get out of here? I, you know, I'm gonna shout out T Mac one time. Shout out T Mac. He's getting his jersey retired, the Ring of Honor in Orlando tonight. That's awesome. So. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. His prime was scary good, six-nine killer from the outside. Um, shout out T Mac. You rocking his original shoes tonight? I got my T Mac ones on the black and blue. Love uh, it. Br- bringing it all the way back. Love it. Uh, my shout out isn't really a shout out this week. It's more of a get well soon shout out to uh, Justin Turner, third baseman of the Dodgers. Got hit by a pitch Monday night in spring training. Uh, he broke his wrist. Luckily, he will not need surgery, but he's most likely going to be out for at least the first month of the season. Get well soon, JT. Yep. Dodgers opening day is nine days away. I can't wait. We're almost there. I can't believe baseball season's already back. God damn it. It comes so quick. I know. There's like no off season. Yeah. But, hey, March, April, this is, this is basketball time. Yeah, no, it is. It is basketball time. Uh, don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword the Sports Kingdom Show in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us as well. That's it for this week on the TSK Show. We will be back next week to preview the Final Four and so much more. Peace. Go Loyola, Chicago.